Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report Business Mexico, issue 108. Now, I'm going to do it a little differently today because the United States Supreme Court has announced that President Trump cannot, cannot eliminate or do away with the DACA program, the Deferred Action Program for Young children or for people who were brought to the United States illegally as young children. You will recall that President Barack Obama instituted the DACA plan, deferred action, deferred deferred deportation, which allowed the applicants to work legally in the United States as long as they weren't being uh, deported and they weren't being deported if they were participating in the program. Okay. The president of the United States, Mr. Obama, created the DACA program literally out of thin air because Congress didn't do, hadn't done anything. Congress is mandated by the Constitution of the United States to um, control, regulate, and manage immigration. It has fallen down on the job uh, over the past few years and hasn't done anything positive about the students or anybody else. It's just been locked in a struggle to to produce a decent immigration or comprehensive immigration reform that affects everyone in the United States positively. There are those who, who fight against any reform whatsoever. They are in the White House today, but they weren't in the White House under President Obama. He created the DACA program, and which is essentially a parole. The president of the United States has this discretion, can use his discretion on who is deported and who is not. Yes, he cannot make immigration law, but he already has the power to parole people and groups. Presidents Reagan and Bush and Clinton, all pardoned entire groups of people from being deported. And eventually they became citizens. Now, the fight that we've had in the past few years did not occur. You will recall that President Reagan signed amnesty, the Immigration Control Act of 1986. He signed into law a bill that made three million illegal aliens legal, many of which have become citizens, model citizens, I might add. And George Bush, George H.W. Bush, had followed Reagan's presidency, uh, took and he pardoned or paroled uh, groups of, for example, dependents of people who were granted amnesty in the 19, under the 1986 law. President Bush then deferred deportation on their relatives, wives, children, etc., or husbands, and that allowed them time to get legal under existing law. So here we had President Obama, who decided to come up with this program by executive order, the Deferred Action Program, DACA, and he signed the executive order, and kids came out of the woodwork. 
by 800,000, over 2 million were probably eligible, but they were afraid because to be to apply, you had to give all your information, all your information, you know, your address and the address of your relatives, etc., etc. So it gave the, the United States government everything they needed to find them and deport them. But they went ahead and did it anyway, about 700,000 of them. Oh, sure, some were no good kids. But some, most, were really good people in college, in the military, doing what Americans do, what real Americans do. Real Americans serve the United States of America. Real Americans don't evade the draft when there is a draft. Real Americans stand up for their country. And these kids stood up for their country, many of them, many of them. They're as good at Americans, at being Americans, as you are, if you consider yourself to be a good American. So when President Trump and his lackeys, led by Stephen Miller, entered the White House, the first thing they did is try to eliminate DACA. Oh, sure, the president said, oh, I like these kids, or they're good kids, and blah, blah, blah. But he never meant it. And so he issued a, another executive order ending the DACA program. Well, of course, he was sued immediately by a number of groups, including DACA recipients, and it started going through the courts. So a federal court in Sacramento, a federal district court in Sacramento, ruled against the Trump administration. The, the ruling said that the president had not done the, or had not followed the requirements of law on ending the program. So then the Trump administration appealed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is based in San Francisco, the nearest office is in Pasadena, and where judges hear cases. And um, uh, this Ninth Circuit ruled against the Trump administration. So it immediately appealed to the United States Supreme Court, where it, everyone assumed that the court, especially after Judge Kavanaugh was, uh, was uh, confirmed by the Senate, everyone assumed that uh, the Trump administration would win this one because everyone admits that because it was, the program was created by executive order and not by congressional law, that the president could do away with the program. Everyone agrees that he has the power to do that. But the president must follow the law in doing so. Now, granted, President Barack Obama didn't follow the law in setting it up, but there are rules and regulations built into law by Congress that require any administration to follow certain rules and regulations, whatever they're doing. And in this particular case, the Trump administration did not, did not follow the rules and regulations and the law in trying to end the program. That was the question before the United States Supreme Court. Many people assumed that the, that the Trump court with Judge Gorsuch, Justice Gorsuch and Kavanaugh would provide a five to four 
maybe six to three vote one way or the other. Well, as it turned out, it was five to four with the key vote being Chief Justice John Roberts, who is my hero. He is my hero. This is the second major, major Supreme Court decision to go against Trump in a week. The court said that the administration did not follow the rules, did not have public hearings, did not do all the things it was supposed to do to do away with the program. So today, 700,000 or more kids that have been part of the program now for, for the past several years can stay and not fear deportation. Because there's no way the Trump administration can go through the procedures that the court outlined they didn't go through between now and election day. This gives Congress the opportunity, as per the Constitution of the United States, to pass the, law, the DACA situation into law. And if they don't do it, then those idiots deserve to be thrown out of office immediately, this November, every single one of them that would vote no or that delays any progress in this field. My hat is off to the United States Supreme Court twice, twice this week. Thank you, Chief Justice Roberts. Now I know, yes, this is the business report from Mexico, the Mexican business report of the Contreras report. Yes, but these are Mexicans, well, almost all of them are Mexican citizens. So, Mex you know, several hundred thousand Mexican citizens affected by a Supreme Court decision is news worthy to be discussed on a program about business in Mexico. And I, I, and I can't wait until the next USA report, because by then it'll be old news. This report that you're listening to now is being recorded Minutes after the Supreme Court made its decision. Thank you. Thank you, Supreme Court. But the public supports that anyway. Just within this week, just a couple of days ago, a Politico and the Morning Consult survey published a poll they did on this very subject before, while the Supreme Court was considering it. 68% of Republicans and 71% of conservatives plus 64% of those who approve the job Trump is doing support the dreamers, the kids in DACA. They're called dreamers. 69% of those who voted for Trump in 2016 support the dreamers. They wanted them legalized. They wanted this program to be approved by the United States Supreme Court. Overall, 75% of registered voters say dreamers should be allowed to stay in the U.S., 61% say they should have a path to citizenship. And if not a path to citizenship, 17% say they should at least have a green card or permanent residency, as we know it. Only 12% say they should be deported, with 10% having no opinion. Among the 12% is President Donald J. Trump, everyone in his family, and, of course, Stephen Miller, his top aide in the White House. Stephen Miller, yeah, whose grandparents came from, he's against all immigration, and his grandparents came from Belarus, 
Jewish immigrants, refugees fleeing the pogroms of the Russians and the Soviet communists, and they came to America with nothing. And there he is in the White House, a graduate of Duke University and Santa Monica Public High Schools, and he is bitterly, bitterly anti-immigrant, anti-legal immigrant. He wants no immigration. He is behind President Trump's anti-immigration creed and uh, will be in the White House apparently as long as President Trump is president, which uh, every day now in, uh, in June is looking like it might end soon. Okay, the uh, White House and the Mexican government announced that the border will remain controlled and regulated, what they call closed, to non-essential travel to the U.S. that started on March 21. It was extended until June 1st. It was, first it was extended till June. Now it's been extended until July 21. Restrictions do not apply to U.S. citizens, people with permanent resident cards, the green carders, or that have valid work permits, and uh, extends to, now this is from Mexico to the United States, okay? Tourism, recreation, and whatever customs and border protection officers say it is, trust me. I got held up at the border for two hours uh, uh, a few weeks ago, not because of me, because I have a rapid border crossing card called the Sentry Pass, but my companion, uh, who had just managed to escape from uh, Europe, uh, her passport said that uh, she'd been in Italy and had just been in Italy uh, two days before. And so uh, she, we were held up at the border for two hours by American Customs and Border Protection officers while they tried to figure out if, uh, what they should do with her because she had been in a, uh, an infected country. Anyway, we managed to get through, and since then, uh, after uh, six weeks or almost two months, uh, she hasn't had a problem as we cross the border uh, a couple times a week. Anyway, the border will be, quote, closed, unquote, to non-essential travel at least until July 21. President Lopez Obrador of Mexico has publicly supported the the desecration, so to speak, of Mexican government agencies involved in energy because President Lopez Obrador does not like private business of any sort, and he particularly dislikes any private energy generation through wind or solar. He is particularly against those, uh, that way of producing electricity. So his government came up the government of the Morena Party, M-O-R-E-N-A, they came up with a scheme to merge three important government agencies, even as he says he didn't know about the proposal before it was introduced by his own party's senator, Senate leader, Ricardo Monreal. Monreal, the Morena Party leader in the Senate, wants to combine the Energy Regulatory Commission the Federal Telecommunications Institute, and the Federal Economic Competition Commission. The new super agency would be called the, get this, this is so stupid, the National Institute of Markets and Competition for Well-Being. Does that sound like like, uh, American progressives? 
it would have five board members, not appointed like they are today for various agencies, where there's a strict uh, method or regime of making these appointments, and they all have to be confirmed by the Senate. So what we would have here is the Senate, which is controlled by, by Lopez Obrador's party, the Moreno party, the Senate would produce a list of people who would be pre-approved. So say 20 names. And out of those 20 names, five would be the new commissioners. And not the other way around, not appointed by the president or nominated by the president, then approved by the Senate like we have in the United States and like exists in Mexico today. No, no, no. It would be the Senate that would produce a list of party hacks and they would automatically be confirmed when the president submits their names or picks their names from the list. The new super agency would be called the National Institute of Markets and Competition for Wellbeing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is laughable. Senator Monreal says, oh, but we'll save money and, and, buy, and be more efficient. The alleged savings, 500 million pesos, about 22 million American dollars. AMLO says the present agencies pay directors exorbitant salaries and have committed fraud under previous administrations by favoring private enterprise, which now, even though President Lopez Obrador says this isn't true, we know that it's true, that private wind and solar energy production supplies Mexico with 46% of its electrical production. The government has assigned two contracts worth 642 million pesos, that's about a little over $28 million, to supervise construction on the Maya train, President Lopez Obrador's signature infrastructure project. One contract, 299.9 million pesos, that's US $13.2 million, it went to a combined uh, or a, com, um, um, a combination of Ayesa Mexico and GeoSol. Technical supervision and quality control is what these comp the companies will do over the 227-kilometer segment of the track between Palenque, Chiapas, and Escarga, Campeche. So that's 227 uh, kilometers in this segment. The other contract went to a consortium, CAL, that's C-A-L, E, my major asociados, Multidin, ERI Arquitectura y Ingeniera, Planeación, Operación y Desarrollos de Infraestructura y Infraestructura Peninsular. They received the second contract of 342 million pesos, U.S. about 15 million, in charge of the 222-kilometer section in Campeche, of the state of Campeche. The contracts are for 29 months, and they are to produce or to, you know, to maintain uh, or supervise the construction to make sure the quality is good construction. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And I'm glad that, uh, that the... Lopez Obrador administration is doing what they're doing. Uh, I, there are some people who object to the Maya train. I do not. Mexican tourism minister Miguel Torruco, who's an appointee of 
President Lopez Obrador, says that tourism will no longer be a, quote, source of excessive profits, unquote. There we go again. Private enterprise makes money bad, according to Lopez Obrador and his lackeys in government. Toruco says the pandemic has exposed the, quote, decadence of the traditional models, unquote, in the tourism sector. That is, they create jobs and pay wages. Says past government and private tourism policies caused, quote, marginalization, poverty, and environmental degradation, unquote. That, the environmental degradation is probably somewhat true, at least in some areas and probably in the Yucatan Peninsula. At the same time, enormous, quote, enormous profits, unquote, were being made. If anybody makes any money, the Lopez Obrador administration doesn't like them. Tourism revenue fell 93.7% in April. AMLO's money, AMLO is what the president Lopez Obrador is known by. That's the acronym for Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Government money under AMLO is going into Maya train, not coastal tourism. AMLO dissolved. One of the first things he did when he became president is he dissolved the multi-million dollar spending national tourism promotions people with offices in Los Angeles and major U.S. cities where they constantly, 24-7, promoted Mexican tourism and made Mexico one of the top 10 nations visited in the entire world by non-citizens because of, uh, in tourism. Mexico being one of the top visited countries in the world with billions of American dollars and foreign dollars, being German mostly, and uh, Spanish uh, uh, money being pumped into Mexico uh, through tourism. And Lopez Obrador, who hates private enterprise, did away with the National Tourism Board, which spent tons of money promoting trip travel to Mexico. In April, industrial output in Mexico dropped or plunged 30%. That's the worst drop since 1993, and so that said the first full month after lockdown in March, compared to March, minus 25%. In other words, it just tubed. Manufacturing output declined 35.5% April to April, April to April um, 2019. Pemex, the national oil company, has lost thousands of more jobs. It's suspending contracts with providers and suppliers, according to Bloomberg News. At least eight Mexican national and international oil, oil service providers and suppliers in recent weeks have, have had their agreements with the Mexican government either suspended or canceled. Sources told Bloomberg that most canceled contracts were for offshore maintenance work. The newspaper Reforma, Mexico City, reports as many as 8,000 employees have lost jobs. That's 8,000 Pemex employees have lost jobs as a result of 45 different contracts worth 160 million U.S. dollars have been, because they've been canceled. 
The first quarter loss for Pemex was 562.5 billion pesos, which is an estimated, according to the current exchange rate, 25 billion American dollars. The total debt of Pemex is 100 billion U.S. dollars. Well, the government of Mexico under AMLO really thinks it can do whatever it feels like doing. We have the attempt by President Lopez Obrador and his administration to strangle private energy production. We've, I've already discussed that several times. But a new development, Federal Judge Rodrigo de la Peza, P, spelled P-E-Z-A, has entered what's called an amparo, I guess, uh, an injun- it's loosely an injunction. In Mexico, it's called a definitive suspension order, a definitive suspension order, what we call an injunction, against President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador's attempt to kill private energy generation in Mexico. I've told you before that uh, they've quit certifying new private energy generation facilities, wind or solar, that are ready to go. They're ready to go online, but they have to be certified by the government as being ready. The government of Lopez Obrador is not certifying 28 new projects that are ready to go online. Lopez Obrador states private energy production contributes nothing to the nation. Well, that's a bald-faced lie. Government clearly, the government clearly states private energy generation producers produce, but these are official reports of various government agencies, Private energy generation in Mexico produces 49% of the electricity in Mexico. Lopez Obrador says they produce nothing. I mean, how, how can he possibly do that? In May, the government announced it would activate shutdown. It would activate shutdown government generators and not allow the 28 com- completed private solar and wind producers to enter the Mexican electrical grid, the energy grid. The government won't certify them, so they can't function. So they can't produce any energy that the government is obligated to buy, some for as low as $27 a megawatt hour, when the government, it costs the government $140 to produce the same megawatt hour. The judge said, no, no, no. He stopped it cold. The government will appeal to the Mexican Supreme Court but I suspect the Mexican Supreme Court, which is not packed with Morena members, Morena party members, will issue the same kind of, of decision. The judge wrote the government, quote, by establishing entry barriers to the wholesale electricity market, the policy posed a threat to free economic competition, unquote. While he continued The government policy hinders the entry of new renewable projects to the electricity market. It allows for an, quote, anti-competitive strengthening, unquote, of plants that generate power using fossil fuels, quote, unquote. In contrast to wind and solar projects, fossil fuel plants, quote, the judge said, will be able to enter into operation and remain in the market at least with greater ease. This 
is a second order suspending government action on this scheme to do away with private energy production. Thank you, Judge. Thank you very much. Well, the demonstrations continued in Mexico for a while, although they had uh, the demonstrations in support of Americans who are protesting the killing of a man in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Tear gas, battalions of U.S. federal armed border and immigration officers stood at the temporary barriers on the border between San Diego as the last line of defense against hordes of Central Americans caravanning north to enter the U.S. at Texas and California. Tear gas, remember that? A little over a year ago, about 18 months ago. And I went to the border, I, you know, I'm only 20 miles south or 20 kilometers south of it. And I saw for myself what was going on. Now, U.S. armed or military forces were standing by, but they were not called. So Border Patrol Agency, Customs and, and Border Protection officers wearing their little bulletproof vests and uh, uh, firing tear gas at uh, a couple of hundred. And that's all there was, by the way. It were a couple of hundred people that were on a Sunday afternoon that tried to, to rush into the United States at a couple of key points between uh, Tijuana and San Diego. Uh, they were beaten off, literally beaten off in tear gas. These are women and ch- some women and children were tear gassed. And uh, uh, so they were they were beaten off. And uh, the Trump administration was crowing that they protected the border. Yes, Mr. President, we have to agree that there were two or three or four or five thieves and murderers among the Central Americans who came in the caravan and swarmed towards the border here in between Tijuana and San Diego and in Texas, but mostly here. This is what made all the news. Saw it myself, and you did too. Mexico and the U.S. met, and Mexico agreed to stop further caravans from crossing Mexico, which is a long way. It's about 2,000 kilometers, in return for help in, in helping the Mexicans stop these people at the southern Mexican border with Guatemala. Okay? The United States pledged $2 billion in various projects called Comprehensive Development Plan for Central America and Mexico. AMLO says, President AMLO says, said in a press conference, the U.S. hasn't come through with its pledge of $2 billion. Nonetheless, AMLO assigned the National Guard to the border, which is costing money, and essentially has stopped the caravans. AMLO says, we haven't had to endure a single act of high-handedness by the U.S. government, nor will we allow it. But the U.S. hasn't delivered on its promise of money. Totally. They have delivered $126 million so far, with another $330 million being negotiated. But that is far short of the $2 billion that Trump tried to bribe the Mexicans with. Well, it worked, so I suppose. The lockdown. The lockdown is being lifted in various parts of Mexico slowly, like in the United States. They're following exactly the same pattern. Baja California Sur, which is where Cabo San Lucas is, 
Hotels, restaurants have been allowed to open and operate at 30% capacity. Beaches only are only open between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. And those of you who have been to Cabo San Lucas know what you're talking, you know, there's the Pacific Ocean side and the, and the Gulf side and separated by the arches at the very tip of the peninsula. The beaches on the right-hand side are the ones that, uh, that uh, most people um, uh, go to and walk along and all that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful sandy beach and goes up for miles and miles and miles. Clear up to uh, the, the town, I think it's, uh, uh, I forgot now the, the name of the town, but uh, it's, it's fantastic, uh, beautiful desert ocean combination. The beaches are only open between 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and then only for small groups that can't be more than 10. 392-room Holiday Inn Cabo won't reopen. It's joined in permanent closure with another hotel uh, run by the uh, Presidente Intercontinental in Merida, Merida, Yucatan. Those two hotels are closing permanently. The group that runs them, the Presidente Hotel Group, says pandemic lockdown had, quote, severe impact on these properties. Well, I, I said, I guess so. Puerto Vallarta is opening up again, too. The hotels are limited to 25%, uh, 30% of capacity. Vallarta hoteliers and tourism section sector people are unlike AMLO. Uh, they like to promote and they're now implementing plans to, uh, for a multi-million dollar campaign for tourists from the U.S. What they've done is selected U.S. cities and metropolitan areas that are within a four-hour flight of uh, Puerto Vallarta. So if you took, uh, oh, say, from San Francisco and drew an arc around through Denver down to uh, Texas, through Houston, Dallas and Houston, and then and drew that on a map. If you're looking at the map and drew that, it'd be an arc to from starting on the left, the Pacific Ocean, and going to the Gulf of Mexico. Well, in that arc, there's literally millions and millions of people, maybe 60 million people uh, or more. I, I, I didn't do the, didn't add up, but California alone has 40 million people. Texas, I believe, has 26 million people, so that's 66 billion, plus Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and um, Utah and Nevada. So well over 70 million people are within the market area where they're spending millions of dollars to promote tourism. It's going to take a while, but they're really shooting for the late fall and winter trade, which is the season, the late fall, winter, and spring season through uh, Easter. Uh, it makes uh, Puerto Vallarta a really, really great place to, to visit. Uh, I mean, they just, uh, I've been down there um, during uh, Christmas week and, or after Christmas week and New Year's. I've been down there in the springtime during spring break in the United States when the town is flooded with American college students and other Americans and the Mexicans just really go all out to, to make it a, a fun time. So Puerto Vallarta, good luck to you because that's my favorite place in Mexico. Senator Ricardo Montreal has uh, postponed offering his grab at energy power for Lopez Obrador's political party, Morena. Now, I told you that the judge 
this uh, a judge and, and another judge have stepped in and said, no, they basically enjoined the government from uh, pro- proceeding to, to merge uh, into a huge power grab, the energy business in Mexico. And uh, what, what they've done is they've had so much backlash from private enterprise and and in this case, the judicial branch of the Mexican judicial system, uh, that uh, Senator Monreal has pulled back. Now, this is separate from from the report I, I had a few minutes ago about what the judge actually did. Okay, it's separate from that because Senator Monreal's action to withdraw uh, his proposal from uh, from being considered officially. Uh, came after that, and the judge's decision was part of it. But AMLO, President Lopez Obrador, still dislikes all private enterprise, and specifically private electrical energy generation. I don't know what his deal is. AMLO says private generation adds nothing to the national energy grid, and we know that's wrong, because the government itself says that private energy production provides... uh, a uh, high 40 percent, uh, 46, 47, 48 percent of national energy. And there's 28 new projects, wind and solar projects, ready to go. Come on, AMLO. Come on, Miranda Party. Get off of it and get busy. Come on, you're, the country's falling apart economically. Um, you know, the COVID-19 cases are Devastating Mexico, 150 as of, <clears throat> let's see, uh, 48 hours since uh, I read this. Uh, it's been 48 hours since I read this. 150,000 COVID-19 cases in Mexico. 3,427 new cases on Monday, June 15th alone. The death toll through Monday, June 15th, 17,580 as of Monday June 15th. That's a lot of people. Lopez Obrador says we have to balance health in opening the the economy from the lockdown. The president says we have to balance health risks and the economy and well-being and people's right to freedom. I agree. That's exactly what we're doing here in the United States or in the United States. He sounds, President Lopez Obrador, sounds exactly like President Trump. President Trump claims his financial support, or uh, President Lopez Obrador claims his financial support for the poor has staved off civil unrest during the pandemic. He's trying to do a little separation between Mexico and the United States, which has had some, some civil unrest, or some violence. Quote, This is what Lopez Obrador said in his press conference. Quote, there is no looting. There has been no looting in Veracruz. Why? Obrador said, Lopez Obrador says, because never in the history of the country has so much attention been given to the people, especially to humble people, poor people. Yeah, that's a nice thing for a president of a republic to say except it's not true. President Lopez Obrador has totally ignored medium and large businesses and their employees during the pandemic emergency. For example, the U.S., in contrast, the U.S. has spent over $4 trillion 
and will spend more. Congress will probably produce another project or another proposal uh, that will spend another trillion or two uh, to help individuals and businesses climb out of this hole. Mexico has helped micro businesses with the program, but hasn't helped the hundreds of thousands of people thrown out of work, of real work. None of the help the government has offered is for more than 25,000 pesos to uh, micro loans to micro businesses that at today's rate is $1,120. That's all they're offering. 12 million people dropped out of the labor force in April. 350,000 formal jobs disappeared in May. Do we have a program in Mexico to help those people? No. So far, the emergency has, has well, wait, wait. we entered the emergency with 40% of the people poor by government definition. After the emergency, Mexico could see 17 million people in extreme poverty, as defined by the government, up from 11 million people last year. 49, people, so 49 million people total in poverty, up from 42 million last year. So the, uh, President Lopez Obrador's 25,000 peso micro-business loans aren't doing the trick. They're not helping the right people. Mexico has a $61 billion flexible line of credit from the International Monetary Fund, the IMF. Now, it pays, Mexico pays $163 million a year on that line of credit, except, or even if they don't use it. So, in other words, it builds up a positive credit. Even if it doesn't use it, it still pays $163 million. Smart people say that Lopez Obrador should tap into that fund to help medium and large businesses to save jobs and payrolls. Yeah, there's a slight difference. Why doesn't the president do that? Because he brags, he has never had a credit card personally. Thus, he says he will not bury future Mexicans with any debt. How is he paying for the Maya train, I wonder? In the meanwhile, he's sentencing millions of Mexicans who were pulled out of poverty by Presidents Vicente Fox and Felipe Calderon. He's sentencing them to a return to poverty. There will be more poor at the end of 2020 in Mexico than in 2000 as a percentage. To show you how bad things can get for Mexican business, and in Mexico, the government's not helping at all. Chicago, the city of Chicago, or the airport authority of Chicago, is suing Mexico's Interjet airline for non-payment of landing fees and taxes owed at O'Hare International Airport. They're suing for $2.56 million. The Mexican Tax Administration filed for $27 million in back taxes and fees last year, but they settled in court, Interjet settled in court to pay 10% of monthly profits, when there are profits, 
to whittle down the debt. Interjet claims it has assets valued at $2.25 billion, more than enough to cover the Mexican tax bill of $28.16 million. As of two days ago, Interjet was operating 14 domestic Mexican routes well below the 87 routes, including 45 international routes, it flew in January. In April, passenger numbers were 97% lower than a year ago. Interjet is just one example of a Mexican business that is not getting any help from the Mexican government. For example, the Mexican government could uh, lower its 28 million dollar tax bill uh, to Interjet to help out or uh, to defer payments until future time. There's a, there are several things that the Mexican government could do by decree. In other words, the president could do it. Who would, who would object? Maybe competitors of Interjet like Volaris. Who knows? I don't know. I've flown Volaris. I've never flown Interjet. I've flown from Tijuana to Guadalajara. On Volaris, and the plane was packed. Uh, they were flying like at 105% capacity. Uh, that means that some people didn't show up, and but their ticket was paid, and there no refund. And people on standby then were allowed uh, to to take the those empty seats. Uh, at least Volaris was uh, hugely profitable, as far as I know. Uh, both low count, uh, low discount uh, uh, airlines. Several like Southwest Airlines in the United States. So Mexico's stumbling along. They're coming out of their lockdown, and uh, the number of uh, cases are going up, uh, just as in the United States. Uh, we'll see in a month or two uh, if the pandemic peaks in Mexico. Predictions are by government health officials that it should peak in July and then either remain static or uh, start to go down. We all hope so. In the meantime, I still can't go on my beach here at San Antonio del Mar in Baja, California, because the gate, the only gate is locked uh, per government uh, regulation that no people should be on the beach in groups of four or more. And um, uh, although I see people on the beach, they come from other parts. We don't dominate the whole coast. But my dogs and I can't walk on the beach like we used to every morning and afternoon before the lockdown. I am anxious to get it going. Plus, uh, you can't go into a restaurant. It's still takeout. And uh, that's fine. I get my fish tacos at a place there in Rosarita Beach where I drive up. A waiter or a, a wait person, a man or a woman comes complete with walkie-talkie to the car, and I give them my order, which is usually two fish tacos with everything and a Diet Pepsi, and it's $3.70 uh, American, and I pay the, uh, the uh, weight person, and he radios uh, the walk through the walkie-talkie the order into the kitchen, which is about 50 feet away inside the, uh, the building, and uh, then he goes in and gets my order and brings it back out to me in a nice plastic uh, styrofoam container. And I dash home uh, to eat it and uh, enjoy my lunch, uh, which is, would cost me uh, $8, $10 or so or more in, uh, in the United States. I'm looking forward to the lockdown being totally lifted.
Thank you for being there. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report, Business Mexico, issue 108. Stand by, and we'll be back in a few days. Thank you.